Thank you uh, so much for the, the warm invitation and the warm welcome. Uh, it's been a real privilege to be with you. I don't normally say that in every place I go because sometimes it's a sense of duty sometimes, uh, but other times there's a time when you just come and you know that you're, you're part of a, an extended family. And uh, it's, it's a real honor to be here. And I'm, I'm feeling quite emotional at this moment in time. And I think that's the reason why he really brought me here, because if I cry, it deflects the tears from him. <laughs> and uh, I'm just proud to, to be part of this house and to be able to serve this house. And uh, it, was, it was great to be here last night, to be part of that wonderful celebration and the, the collective groups from different churches and different kind of settings, different networks. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I've really looked forward to this morning because as good as last night was, there's something special about the local house and there's something special about the gathering together of the family, the, the, the sense of togetherness and the, the bonding, the love. And there is something special about this house. There really is. This is a unique house. And uh, the, the problem is, when, when you are attending a certain house week in, week out, you can become very familiar with it, uh, and you can become so familiar with it that you take it for granted. But when you have a, a roaming kind of ministry role, local church, but also a national role, and you engage with different churches, you, you see the difference. There are some churches that I would struggle to attend. There will be some churches that I would not necessarily say that this would be my home if I had the choice, but there is something wonderful about the sense of family in this place, and there is something wonderful about the warmth and the generosity and the hospitality, and above all of that, there is something about the sense and the presence of God in this place, which is, which is quality, it really is. And I want to commend you for that, commend you as a local church, commend the leadership on the front row and the extended front row here, there's something wonderful. Never lose that. Never take it for granted. Always walk through these doors with an expectancy, a hunger and a thirst, because when you, when you come with a hunger and a thirst, God does something. That's the currency of the kingdom. We bring our hunger, we bring our thirst, and God satisfies that hunger and satisfies that thirst. Is that okay? Is that all right? Have you got used to my accent yet? This is the accent of heaven. All right, not your, not your American twangs or your Canadian twangs. Not that kind of deep, husky, Scottish kind of tone. This is, the, this is the accent of heaven. When you get to heaven and you walk through those pearly gates, the first words you're going to hear is, Hello, my handsome, how are you? <laughs> Good and faithful servant. Follow quickly. Last week was quite a, a historic day or a week in, in our nation. When I talk about the nation, I'm talking about the broader nation, the nation of the United Kingdom. And as I was um, preparing some, some thoughts to speak at a, a leaders' conference on, on Wednesday, just a, a fraternal kind of setting, I awoke early, I turned the television on at six o'clock and started to, to, to watch the news. And on Wednesday, if you recall, it was a celebration of our, of our Queen. And our queen became, on that day, the longest-serving monarch of all time for our nation. And as I listened to some of the tributes that were brought to that wonderful, this wonderful lady, 
I, I need to make a, a confession. I love the royal family. I'm a royalist. I, I, I love the royal family. I, I think that the family, even though they've had their ups and their downs, uh, I think they're a great, she, she's a great example to every one of us. And before I, I commence into my ministry this morning, is it okay if I bring a tribute to this couple on the front row? Because as, as, I, as I listened to the, to the words of the, the commentators and I listened to, to those who were bringing, in a sense, wonderful words of affirmation and tribute to this lady, I, I just listened to some of those qualities. And as I listened to the qualities, I, I, I saw the same qualities resembled and lived out in this couple. Now, Andrew, I'm not calling you a queen. Okay? But... Um, but I, I'd just like to, to use some of the, these words, really, to portray tribute to this, this couple. It was a historic day. Queen Elizabeth II became the longest reigning monarch for 63 years. For 23,226 days, this 89-year-old lady has led by example. For 25 years, for 29 years, in the case of Lois, they have led by example. What I exhibit in the life of, of the Queen and also in the life of this wonderful couple before me is the longevity of their role, her role. Uh, ministry is not about the sprint. It's not about getting across the line the fastest or the quickest. But ministry, successful ministry, is all about the longevity of ministry. Ministry is about the long haul, going the extra mile, going the extra yards, it's about sticking to it even through those tough times. Our Queen has seen 12 Prime Ministers come and 12 Prime Ministers go. Ministry is about seeing people come and about seeing people go. Uh, some great communicator once said this, that people get on the bus called church and people then decide to get off the bus called church. I commend you for your longevity over the course of the last 25 years and 29 years in this place. Also, one of the qualities attributed to our Queen was this. She has been the constant amidst the gale force changes. She has been the permanent anchor in times of adversity. She has seen the detractors fall to the side, and she's even defied the critics. She's been the anchor that has held the nation steadfast in the course of time. Part of that's been because of her faith, her belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, as I look at this couple on the first row, the first two seats to my right, to your left, I see a couple who have been constant in the gale force changes of church. They have been the anchor that has helped secure individuals, families, the community together, even through those tough and difficult times, you have seen the detractors come and the detractors go, and you have defied the critics and proven God to be faithful. Congratulations. Well done. Also, we see, uh, according to the writers, it says that she has been steadfast, constant, and dutiful and as I listened to those words of our Queen being dutiful, I started to think about that wonderful scripture where the Apostle Paul wrote to a young pastor called Timothy in his emerging days as a church leader. And he said this, I want you to set an example. It's recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 
And uh, Timothy was instructed to set an example, and there's a catalogue, a list of things that he was to set the example in, speech, conduct, behaviour, so on. Uh, I, I can't recall them off the top of my head now. I'm not the Bible teacher. But um, I, I want to commend this couple again because in the midst of adverse change and through the storms of life called local church, they have constantly set an example for every one of us to follow, not just north of the border, not just within the context of local church here, but they've set an example for other church leaders, for other church gatherings, and they've also set an example for our nation, from the tip of Cornwall called Land's End to the tip of Scotland called John O'Groke's, from the width of our nation as well, they've set an example. Also, it says that the Queen is a modern age Lady, she is relevant. This couple, well, Lois is modern. <laughs> Andrew's just aged. <laughs> but they are relevant. They have a message, not a yesterday message. Not, not a message which was only fitting for then, but a message which is relevant for today. And also a message which is relevant for us as we step into our new future. For them as a couple, they step into their new future. And as we as a local church step into our new future, they have a message for us. And also it says that the Queen has redefined the monarchy over the course of time. Whether you agree with that or not, that's what they said. And Andrew and Lois, over the course of the last 25 years, as senior leaders of this church, have helped redefine church. This church is nothing like it was the day they walked in. It's changed. It's it's transformed into the very shape and the thing that God wants it to be. And you need to know this, that actually as much as we've enjoyed the last 25 years, the best is yet to come. It really is for this couple and for you as a local, a local church. So that's my tribute to you guys. I don't just speak on behalf of Jackie and myself or my local church, but I speak on behalf of the national leadership team of Assemblies of God. Our boss, John Partington, Ian Watson, Grayson Jones, Gary Rucci, Phil Pye, have I forgotten anybody? Alan Hewitt, thank you so much. I'm glad you're on the front row, my friend. <laughs> I represent them this morning, and I also represent 530 churches of our denomination and fellowship who stand and honour you as church leaders. So congratulations and well done. Is that okay? Let's give them a round of applause, shall we? I'm going to, to speak for about 25 minutes, may push it to 30. Uh, when, when somebody once said to me, how, how long do you normally speak? You know, I, I say, well, putting all my preachers together, it only lasts 25 minutes anyhow. <laughs> but this morning, I, I'd like to speak to this couple, but I want to speak to, to you as a local church as well. Because this is a, a remarkable moment in, in our history, in our time. I'd, I'd like to, to introduce a word for you this morning. It's a, a word, it's a four-lettered word, very simple, nothing crude connected to it, but it's the word come. C-O-M-E. If you don't remember anything else this morning, I want you to remember that, that word. Uh, I'd like you just to open your Bibles, please, to, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to read one verse to you, then we're going to turn the pages of our Bible and we're going to look into Matthew chapter 14. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 reads like this. And it's the red letters of Jesus, very important words. 
very important words to follow the words of Jesus. It says this, Come, follow me. Jesus said, And I will, I will send you out to fish for, for people. So this morning, the, the very first invitation for us as a local church is to come and follow Jesus. That's the very first invitation. What, what a great invitation that is. But what I, I love about this wonderful phraseology here is, come follow me and I will send you. I will send you. What we need to understand in that word send, that word send is a, it's a military term. It comes from the, the military ranks of the archer, the bow and the arrow. And the word to send is to place the arrow into the string of the bow, into the framework of the bow, and for the string of the bow to be pulled back and for the arrow to be, to be sent, to be released. Not just to hit anything, but to hit an intended target. And we need to, to understand this, that when Jesus was inviting us to come and follow him, he then said, I want to send you to fish for, for men, to fish for, for women. That's the, the great call to discipleship. It's the great call to followship. I, I want to encourage you to, to follow that through. But if we're going to really focus on what I would like to share this morning, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. And I want you to quickly turn to, to that this morning, if you would, please. But Matthew chapter 14, reading from or looking from verse 22 to the end of the chapter, is the, the time when Jesus walked on the water. Remember that story? You've heard uh, great preachers from that over the course of the last few years, maybe, from this scripture. But there, there's some wonderful words from verse 27. As Jesus walks to them on the water, Jesus immediately says to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then in verse 28, the Lord instructs Peter to, to do something. And Peter says, tell me to come if it's you, and I'll walk on the water. And in verse 29, the Lord says to Peter, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. This is the, this is the, the come I want to focus on for the, for the next few moments, because I sense that that, that God is asking us to adventure with him by leaving the safety and the security of the boat and to begin an adventure with him and to walk on the water. Not, not just for this couple leaving the boat called Whitburn, Pentecostal church, but for us as a local church. And yeah. Hear my terminology here. I'm including myself in the local church now. Yeah. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to be part of the fabric and the makeup of this local church for this weekend. So I'm speaking to us. God, God's asking us to get down and to get out and to begin to walk on the, the water. It's an adventure. It's a scary adventure. Our, our knees can knock, our legs can buckle under the expectation and the weight. Maybe we're fearful, maybe we're intimidated by what we see or what we sense. But there's an invitation for us to, to come. I googled <laughs> the word come. Because I wanted to, to know what that, that word really meant this morning to help us to unfold this. But the word to come simply means this, to receive an invitation to advance forward. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. So, so in this moment in time, at ten past 
12 on this bonnie day in Scotland. I'm getting the lingo, guys. <laughs> but on this bonnie day in Scotland, we're going to spend a wee moment in just looking <laughs> at this. But there, it's about advancing forward to the place where God wants us to be. It's about God repositioning us. And Google even said this. It's not about just the place or the position, but it's about the purpose. So, so if you're looking for three Ps here today, it's a replacing or a place, a position, and a sense of purpose. So the invitation to come is about discipleship, but the invitation is also about mission and moving forward. We can live our lives according to the risk assessment policy in our filing cabinet, or we can live our life according to the risk adventure that God's calling us to adventure on. Risk is an interesting word. Risk is something that we don't like to embrace sometimes because we like the comfort and we like the security of what we're embracing and what we're doing. But the word risk can introduce sometimes failure. The word risk can also introduce the occasional loss. It can place us into a position of danger and uncertainty. But this morning in this house for Andrew and Lois, for Ian and Jackie, and for you lovely family members here this morning, God's wanting you to go on a journey of risk with him. He wants you to come on a journey of adventure with him. Stevie, Ruth, he, uh, he wants you to come... Uh, Mary, not Ruth, Mary, sorry. He wants you to come on a, a journey with him. I don't know if any of you are avid readers. I'm not a, an avid reader, but there are a few books that I have read. It takes a very good book for me to complete it. I've left many books, three or four chapters in, but I, I have read one book from front cover to back cover, and that book was The Barbarian Way by a, an individual called, called Ermey McManus. And on the pages of this book, he says this, God is more interested in your significance than your safety. That's powerful language. Powerful language, language which can cause even the strongest Scotsman to shake in his boots or her boots. But God is more interested in your significance than your safety. And we could spend the next 25 years still here looking for safety, yet God's not asking you and I to take a journey of safety. He's asking us to take a journey of significance. Christ following, true Christ following, wasn't designed with safety in mind. True church leadership was not designed with safety in mind, but always had risk and faith connected and tandemed together with it. You see, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. We, we don't walk according to the safety and the security that this world offers, but we have the confidence to take bold steps, confident steps of risk and faith by leaving the safety and the security of our boat and to walk amid the gale-forced winds of change because God wants us to have an adventure. Whitburn Pentecostal Church, your best days are the days you're about to step into. They're not the days you're standing in. They're not the days you're even reflecting upon. But they're the days you're about to step into. They really are. You can smile at me. You can wave at me. You can encourage me. Because I'm sticking to this gun. 
A few years ago at our national conference there in Peterborough, we had a guest speaker. His name was Joel Holmes. Joel Holmes has not pastored a large church or even a small church really, but he has the ear of many church leaders who are building tremendous churches across the nations of this world. He's a strategist by profession, he's a consultant, he understands the concept of local church and has this mind which is so broad that he can see multiple avenues and multiple ways of doing life. And in one of his conversations with me, as I drove him from one place to another, he said this, he said, Ian, there are three pathways a local church can take. When you're driving, you can't write at the same time. You're trying to download as much as you possibly can. He said this, the first pathway a local church can take is this. And can I even say this morning, it's not just local church that can take this pathway. Local individual Christians can as well. He said the first pathway is simply this, that they simply want to live out their earthly existence, living as Christianly as possible. That's about staying in the boat. I trust I'm not talking to that type of person this morning. He said the second type of person is the person who embarks on his or her own mission with very little, if any, divine connection That's the type of person, that's the type of church that do their own thing. They're not interested in the God thing or the God plan or the God path. But what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to do his or her own thing. You see, they're not sent people, they're people who simply went and did their own thing. And then he says this, he says the third type of person and the third type of church is the the ones who recognize the invitation of God to join him on his mission and they walk on water. I want to talk to a church this morning for a a few moments about those who refuse blankly to sit as Christianly as possible, just passing time. I I want to talk to those that aren't doing their own thing, but I want to talk to a church this morning who are determined to recognize the invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ and to follow him. You see, we're not here to risk avoid. We're here to embrace the risk adventure. Saying yes to God will lead a challenge to your faith. Ask this couple on the front row. But even when you say no to God, it also brings a crisis of faith. You see, there's a challenge of faith or there's a crisis of of faith And in this place this morning, we're recognizing that opportunity where we can begin to reposition ourselves and move forward. Hillsong United in 2013 compiled a a CD of, of music, an acoustic, that's the word I was trying to think of, an acoustic set of music. And one of the, the songs that they, they played here, it's a great song, it's one of my, my favourite songs, and I, I asked the, the guys in my, my office at home to, to print me off the words, which I can't find now. Oh, they're here, right in front of me. Put it in front of me so I would see it. These are, these are new glasses, guys, all right? But the, the words of the song is simply this, it's called Oceans. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. There's some wonderful words depicting the walking upon water. But as you begin to look down to what is called the tag, I understand musicians and singers, when you begin to look down to the tag, it says this, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. 
Let me walk upon the waters whenever you call me or wherever you call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my, my Saviour. That's the challenge for every one of us. Incoming leadership, outgoing leadership. That's the challenge we all have to respond to the invitation to walk upon the waters. But when we begin to look at the story in the context of this wonderful story, we, we begin to see that the disciples were in the boat, they were, they were rowing. The, the Bible tells me this in the Gospels as I read this story and make comparison of the, the different perspectives from the different writers, we see that the, the boat that they were in were buffeted by the waves and the storm and the wind. Once again, I googled that wonderful word to be buffeted. It means to be hit. It means to be pounded. And even in the tributes of this morning, we've heard of the seasons of the last 25 years where there has been what I can only describe as the plain sailing of church life. It's gone so smoothly. It's gone so smoothly, it's gone according to the plans and to the programs. It's been some great times. It's been calm. The sun has shone, even in Bonnie, Scotland. But the sun has shone and the blue sky has been there. There's been no clouds. Everything has gone according to plan. Even the worship on Sunday morning has gone okay. And the welcome and the videos have all gone according to the plan and the strategy. It's been plain sailing. But then there's been other times when it's not been so smooth. When it's all been hands to the oar and rowing and trying to keep it on course. When there's been the buffeting and there's been the hitting and there's been the violence of the storm that we find ourselves in. But I'm so grateful that even in those seasons of difficulties, we can experience and see Jesus walking towards us. He never leaves us. And he never forsakes us. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's still there. When we're on the heights of the storm or the depths of the waves, guess what? He, he's there because we can't... We can't run away from his presence. He's there. And what I love about this wonderful story, and I believe this is something prophetic for the local church here this morning, is simply this, that when they found themselves in this boat being buffeted by the wave, Jesus walks to them. And what astounded me, what amazed me was simply this, and please grasp this, please understand what I'm trying to say here this morning. But what I found in this wonderful story is that Jesus walked to them and they didn't recognize him. Yet they'd done life with him for maybe three years. They'd walked with him. They'd talked with him. They'd slept under the same sky as him. They'd seen multiple miracles. They'd seen the feeding of the 5,000. They'd seen the blind eyes open. They'd seen the deaf ears open. They'd seen the lame. All of a sudden being able to stand to their feet and not just walk but dance. Yet this time they didn't recognize him. And I want to prophesy into the life of this church this morning. That Jesus, our Heavenly Father, our God, God the Holy Spirit, is going to walk towards you in a new way. Not in the familiar of yesterday, not in the predictable things of the past, but he's going to walk to you in a new way and you're not to be fearful. But all you have to do is say, we recognize you. This is something new of God coming towards us. It's not how we expected it. It's not how we would even prefer it sometimes, but we're going to embrace the new way you're going to walk towards us. 
and we're going to invite you to step into our boat and we're going to accept that your ways are higher than our ways. Even for Andrew and Lois this morning, as God walks towards them, he will walk towards them in a new way. In a new way. Not in the same shape or form of the last 25 years, but a new way. For God willing, the next 25 years. That will make you 77. 76. 76. Never any good at maths. But God wants to visit this house in a new way. Not in the familiar. Not in the predictable. Not always in the comprehensible way. But wants to visit this house in a new way. He really does. That deserves an amen. How do I know that Jesus or God wants to visit this house in a, in a new way? Because every time he would turn up on the scene in the Bible, he turned up in a different way to what people expected. He was the son of God. He, he was the promised Messiah. He was the savior of the world. He was the one who was going to come and transform and release the children of Israel or the, the world from, from their sins, from their captivated sins. Yet he was born in a stable. He didn't come the familiar way by being born into a palace. He didn't come the predictable way by being born into a royal family. He didn't come the way where everybody could grasp or comprehend the way he came. He came the way that his heavenly father sent him. And when we embrace the new season that God's going to transport us into and move us into, we too need to embrace the new way that God wants to minister in us and through us. The boat. Every one of us in this room has a boat. We have the boat called local church. We have the boat called work. We have the boat called life. I think Jackie and I, over the course of the few years we've been pastoring, we mentioned it last night, 20 years in Torquay, and prior to that, 10 years in our neighbouring town, four miles down the road, called Paynton. It's called the English Riviera. But I think we've made some, not think I know, we've made many mistakes. I've made more mistakes than Jackie because Jackie's very good at coming behind me, speeding up the mess. <laughs> behind every good man, there's an even better woman. Example number one, example number two. But what I think we've done wrong, Jackie, and maybe Andrew and Lois, you've done exactly the same, is we've tried to make the boat too comfortable. Wow. I've been greatly challenged as I contemplated this thought, even in the context of my local church, but we've made the, the boat too comfortable. And what we've created in church settings many times is we've created the cruise liner instead of the fishing boat. And the cruise liner is the place where we come and we become passengers of. We come and we think because we've paid the contribution towards the, the fare and the fee of going on the cruise liner, that that allows us to say what we want and do what we want and do it whenever we want. But you see, local church is not about the cruise line mentality. Maybe we've made church so comfortable that people become spectators. Maybe we've made church so comfortable that actually what we now do is we give them a five 
star experience. They come and they are entertained through the praise and through the worship. They're entertained through the communication of the word. But those who want to do adventures with God don't want to live on a cruise liner, but they want to participate in the fishing boat. And they want to be part of the crew of the fishing boat. You see, maybe we said comfort is paramount, but actually comfort is not paramount. Significance is paramount. Comfort is not paramount. Cause is paramount. Comfort is not paramount. But following the faith adventure that God calls us to adventure with is paramount. The fishing boat. There's no passengers. Everybody is hands-on. Hands-on in the crew and hands-on in the catching of, of fish. I can take you to our neighboring town. There's Torquay, there's Paynton, and then there's Brixham. We're a 26-mile bay. It's a beautiful part of the world to live. And Brixham is a little fishing village. Paynton is the town. And Torquay, although it's not a city, has some inner city kind of problems. It has a marina and has those city inner problems. But Brixham, little fishing port, about, about eight 9,000 people reside there. I can take you there and I can show you some of the fishing boats. Listen to this. They're dirty. They're smelly. And there's blood and guts on the floor of the fishing boat. That's what church is like. It's a place to work. It's a place to be degutted from our stuff. It can become smelly. It can become so dirty. Yet it's the place where fish are caught and not where people are entertained. Let's talk about the sea for a few moments. The plain sailing and the rough sailing over the course of the last 25 years. We've exhibited that over the last 48 hours being here. We've had the tributes. But when it comes to the sea, there are surface winds. There are surface pressures. Visibility has an effect. Cloud cover. Precipitation. Google that, Steve. (laughs) But precipitation. (laughs) Precipitation is the, the different shapes and forms that water can be in. So... There's frost, there's ice, there's snow, there's water, there's all sorts of things. There's the fluctuations of high and low. But in the midst of all of that stuff that happens in our life, the invitation is to come walk on the water. So are you prepared to get out of your boat? Or are you comfortable? Are you prepared to, to listen to some of the things that God's saying to you as you move forward into the new season of adventure. Can I, can I give you a number of points as I begin to, to round this up? As I begin to round it up, that means we're beginning to land this plane. Only respond to the word come if it's the voice of God. It has to have sovereign authorization. It has to. Because if you do your own thing and try to get out of a boat when God's not told you to get out of the boat, you will fail. And you'll have to scamper back to the place where you 
stepped out of. Wow. Only step out of the boat if you heard the voice of God. Make sense? The second thing. As you step out of your boat, it will require courage, faith, trust, and confidence. How do I know that? Because I've been in conversation with my friends on the front row. How do I know that? Because I've been in conversation with other guys and girls who are stepping out of their, their boat. Faith isn't always practical. Faith may mean taking a pay cut. Faith may mean leaving the security of a salary of leading a local church and embracing the unknown. But I'm so grateful we serve a God with deep pockets. Faith is not always reasonable. Giving up the church at your age? This is not about the... wasn't talking about him. But if the cap fits, wear it. You shouldn't be giving it up. You should be making your path comfortable for the next season of your life called retirement. You're not being reasonable. And faith isn't always logic. Not just for this couple, but for us as a local church. But it's not practical, Ian. How can we do that? Are you talking nonsense? Are you making any sense here, Ian? There's no logic in your rationale or your thinking, Ian. Listen to this. Logic, sorry, logic, not logic. Logic is the study of valid reasoning. Risk is the study of valid revelation. And we live our lives not according to the study of valid reasoning but we live our lives and take the step net the next step into our adventure because we are students of valid revelation one word from god brings revelation and makes sense out of nonsense and brings sight to those who are blinded and brings transformation you see we make decisions on the valid grounding of truth. What's truth? Truth is the thing that sets you free. So in closing, this is my second closing point. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. You can talk about it, you can sing the songs about it, you can wave the banners about it, you can even do the Pentecostal two-step about it. Or this side of the border, the Highland Fling. <laughs> you can do it. You guys, you can read the books about it. You can watch the DVDs about it. Yes. You can articulate it. You can, do all, you can strategize for it. But if you don't get out of the boat, you'll never walk on water. This couple have led by example for the last 25 years and are now leading by example for the next season of their life, but our life also collectively together. It's time to get out of the boat. Walking on water. When I was growing up in a little small town there in Penryn in Cornwall, and then even being the son of a pastor, I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad pastored and pioneered 
some great works across the West area. My mum would often say, my mum's a, a great lady, but she'd say this, don't rock the boat. <laughs> In fact, I can still hear her saying it now, can you, Jackie? Whatever you do, don't rock the boat. This morning, I've come to rock the boat. I've come to rock your boat. I can't do a shawadiwadi or a Bay City Rollers. Shangalangalang, ding dang, ding dong. <laughs> woo woo! Can't do any of that stuff. I'm still sitting at his feet, learning the trade. But guys, I've come to rock your boat. Don't be afraid of the storm you're in. This is not a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It's not that kind of moment where it says, hey, get me out of this storm, but actually what we should be staying in the midst of our storm, this is a great opportunity for God to prove himself and for me to prove that I trust God. And actually, this storm was not for me to sink in, but this storm was for me to walk upon. Maybe you sense that this is a storm moment for the local church. It might be for some. Maybe you sense your security being just tampered with a little bit. Maybe you feel your comfort just being disrupted a little bit. Maybe it is a storm. Maybe it's a squall. A squall is one of those localized storms that affects that now moment. If that's where you're at this morning, get out of the boat and walk on it. This storm was not designed to break you, but this storm was designed to make you. In the storm, look for God. When Jesus walked upon the water, when Peter walked upon the water, the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. I'm so grateful that in the commotion of our storms that we find ourselves in, we need to look for him. So look for him. Because when you look upon him, when you fix your eyes upon Jesus, when you begin to look into the promises of his spoken word, it makes all the difference. I, I'm going to make a declaration in this room this morning. You may contend it, but I'm going home tomorrow, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Peter didn't walk on water. <sighs> Write that, that in your notes. That's profound. Peter didn't walk on water. Peter walked on the word. And Peter walked on the invitation. So, so God's spoken to Andrew and Lois to get out of the boat. They have a word. It seems to be uncertain. They're not quite sure what they're going to place their foot upon. The substance and the surface that they're going to place their foot upon looks so shaky, so uncertain. But they've got the word. I just had a bit of a flashback then to Karate Kids. It's amazing what happens, isn't it? In church. Gonna pull it back, gonna land it, Andrew. I promise you, I'll land it. I'll land it, alright? Uncertainty. But they got the word. The word won't let you down. The word, word won't fail you. The word will become flesh. The word will become reality in this church as well. Step out on the word. Listen to God above the commotion of the day. Be ready to respond. Have a go. 
Live according to the risk adventure and not the risk avoidance. And in conclusion, and my last 16 points are simply this. <laughs> the steps of every good man and every good woman have been ordered by the Lord. So we can have the confidence and the boldness to get out of the boat and walk on water. Bless you this morning.